Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck eyes? What the fuckerikens? What the fuckers? I said that twice. Now I, oh man, how could I be repeating myself when there are so many? Uh, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good middle of the night. Whenever you're listening, this is Mark Marin. This is WTF. I hope everybody's okay. I'm recovering from a mild, uh, what would you call it, spider web incident. Walking out to the garage, walked right into a spider web of some kind that I didn't see. I had my shirt off, which uh, amplifies the spider web experience. And I just felt it hit my skin. And I went into that involuntary sort of uh, spastic panicky dance of fear you know accompanied by uh uh you know kind of um unintentional uh grunts and sort of screams you know, like oh ah oh god oh god uh, and and then it reverberates like i know it's over i didn't see a spider but right now i'm like oh okay oh uh yeah they keep coming the 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 uh spider web dance of fear very humbling moment exciting way to start the day I hope you guys are okay. Let's do some plugging. But before I do that, let me say that Sandra Bernhardt is in the garage today. Uh, Very exciting. Very exciting. I always assume she's angry. Uh, We'll find out. I I want to believe that she's an angry person. And I want to feel that. But uh, we'll find out. We'll find out. So let's do this. How about you? Maybe you need a little... Pow! Man, did I just shit my pants. JustCoffee.coop, available at WTFPod.com or JustCoffee.coop. Let's get into this. For me, Nashville. I will be in Nashville this week, September 8th through 10th at Zany's. And then a couple weeks after that, I'll be at the Improv in Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky, 22nd through 25th, or Louisville, pronounced uh, properly, but Louisville, pronounced if you're a local. Oh, fuck, I feel like I still feel like I have spiderwebs on me horrendous there's been some big fucking spiders around man i can't i can't i i don't i'm not afraid of them in a in like i can stand close to a spider i can look right at a spider and be fascinated there's some big spiders around here but there's still part of me i'm terrified of them not in an honest way like, i don't think they're gonna bite me they're just something fucked up and scary about spiders man the bugs are taking over They're fucking, uh, there's nothing we can do about it. The war is not between good and evil. It's between us and bugs. It's between everything else and bugs, ranging from single-celled organisms to uh, just renegade strands of DNA, the viral variety, all the way up through the largest bugs that you can find. I can't, oh God. Let's, Let's shift gears. Let's just shift gears. This is getting ridiculous. Hey, those of you who condescend, the Jew with tools. I am a Jew with tools. I did some tool work. I did some man's work. I'm out in the garage, so this area, the garage, is not meant for that type of work. I've got my printer on the old um, tool bench that I left in this garage when I bought the house. Like It looks like there was some serious work done in this, but there's nothing in here. Like I got my air conditioner. I got my lamp. I got my printer and some other things on that tool bench, and the rest of the garage is not for garage use, but I got a tool shed that I built years ago, small shed, put it together myself. 
Look, I, I am a, a Jew, but I am built for athletics. I'm built for building. Choose not to. That's all. Doesn't mean I can't do it. So what happened was, got a, a screen door problem. My front door is a weird custom-built door that was probably made in the early 1900s. I have no idea when it was made. It's not really replaceable unless I get a, a, a go to a wood shop. Didn't get that deep into the tools. The hinges are custom, so it sits on the door in a weird way. But there was a screen in it. Don't know how when that screen was replaced or when it was actually put in. It's got to be 50 years, 40 years ago. So the screen started disintegrating. There's a large hole in it. LaFonda figured out how to jump in and out of the hole, put a big piece of cardboard over the bottom of the door. Then LaFonda figured out how to climb up over the cardboard for both in and out. And then Monkey figured it out. And then something had to be done because we can't have Monkey outside because he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing out there. He got out the other night and I watched him stand in the middle of the neighbor's field next door on the slope, just sitting there going, meow, meow. Yeah, just he might as well have been calling out for a coyote to come crunch his head off back to the screen so of course being the guy that i am busy and whatnot i thought i gotta get a guy i gotta get a screen guy where do you get a screen guy can i just look up screen guy do i gotta take the door off and bring it to a screen guy and then i thought hey Marin, you're a man who knows how to handle a screwdriver at the very least why don't you try to fix this door yourself? Now, that could be the beginning of a bad situation because a lot of you know, maybe you're the type of person I am. Sometimes you start those projects and you're like, you get about halfway into them and you realize, holy shit, I have no fucking idea how to do this. Now I've got the door off its hinges. I've got the, the screen frame off and I don't have the right tool to do this. And now it's just going to sit here like this, whatever. I pulled that fucking door off and I carefully took the frame. It's an old style screen. So the frame is not like the one you, you roll in putty. You got to pull the frame off. And I pulled the frame off carefully because I thought I was going to use the frame. And I don't know when the last time this thing was changed, but uh, I, I, there was there was termite damage underneath the frame on the door that looked like it was at least 100 years old. My, my house was built in 1925. Now, we'll get back to that in a second. So now I, I know what I got to do. I got to go buy the wood for the frame because I can't use the old frame. So I go go to the to the Osh hardware, get find the wood that I need, uh, pull out a couple planks, bring it to the guy there. I say, can you cut it at an angle because I need to build a frame because we don't cut angles. You need one of these things, one of those saws with the little thing that you slide it into the slats and it cuts in at an angle. Bought one of those for eight bucks, brought the wood home, figured out the right lengths, cut the angles, pulled the screen off, got a roll of screen, rolled it out, uh, stapled it in. I was told to staple it in. We you know, put the frame in around it. Took about a uh, you know half a day, maybe. Cost about 60 bucks. Stained the new frame around the screen. Put it up in front of my house. Put the door back on its hinges. No one believed that I could do it. Paul Gilmartin, who was over at my house, said, let's just build a new door at my wood shop. And I said, no, Paul, I'm going to replace this fucking screen. He said, I wouldn't even attempt that. And I work with wood. You should call a guy. You should call a screen guy. All right, well, fuck you, doubters. I've got a new screen and a new frame on my front door. All right? And if you come over, I'll be happy to show it to you. You know, Even if because you might just walk by. You'll open the door, but then I'll say, wait, come out here. Look at this. You see this? This, this frame with the stain? I did that. I did that. You know why? Because I'm a Jew with tools. I can do the tool thing if I need to. Let's get back to the termite damage. So what does that imply? See, this is bug thing again. It's fucking bugs. All right, this is this looked like old termite damage in this door. I mean, at least 50 years old. So that means not unlike the ant colony, that uh, the ancient ant colony that my house seems to be built on, what are the odds that the entire frame of my house beneath the plaster is just like balsa wood 
from uh, a century of termites. Then I started thinking like, well, that's horrible. So this thing could just crumble. The whole thing could crumble because there's no foundation. Then I had the ant guy come over who was killing ants. I said, what are the chances? I said, I don't know. Usually when they're here, you know, they come back. But I'm like, this looked very old and I've not seen anything. And then like I realized, what am I going to do about that? Do I have to put the tent on the house so it looks like a circus and you know, for three days and fumigate? And then I got to put the cats in cages. Everything was unfolding into a horrendously overwhelming anxiety-ridden panic for me just to think about dealing with that. But I've not seen any of those things. But do you ever see them? And aren't we all decaying? See, it's it's not good and evil. It's it's us against bugs. What like I'm starting to get aches and pains. I've talked about them. Maybe my foundation, my infrastructure is rotting. My house's infrastructure is rotting. See, fucking bugs man god damn it have you ever seen a potato bug i had not seen one in a long time because when i knew them when i was a kid they were jerusalem crickets and if you ever saw one you you, you would fucking just freak the hell out because they're like fucking monsters well guess where i saw one in my living room i'd never seen one here they are horrendous they look like half a scorpion half a spider their head is just two fucking fangs their body is like a big old ab it's they are fucking, they come from hell. These things come from hell. I had not seen one since I was a kid in a pool filter out in the fucking desert of New Mexico. There was one in my living room. And this is what tests your masculinity. It's not using tools. That's easy. It's how do you handle a potato bug? And do you do you freak out? I'm standing there with Jessica. She's like, what is that? And I'm like, that's a Jerusalem cricket. And we have to move out of the house. We should get a hotel room until that thing goes away. No, I didn't say that. I said, where's a paper towel? Let me just do this. And I picked it up and I put it outside. So there you go. I'm a saver and a handler of potato bugs. And I'm a guy that can use a saw and one of those little slat things that cuts at an angle and then builds a frame for a door. But I'm also not the kind of guy who would stop myself from doing the panicky, I just walked to a spiderweb dance. The spastic dance of web panic. Not afraid of that. Not afraid to show that part of myself. That's who I am. Who are you? So, folks, you know, sometimes on this show, I like to uh, support comics. I know that... uh, you think I'm a condescending douchebag or you think that, you know, sometimes I'm a little hard on comics, but uh, I'm all for the noble undertaking by my comedian peers. And I have something for you. If you have not heard of the Laughter Against the Machine tour, it's happening. Uh, Kamau Bell, Nato Green, Janine Brito, very funny lesbian. Can I say that? Yes. Would she, she takes that as a compliment. She would not take offense to that. No. So what what we're dealing with here is this is a tour that is being made into a documentary that needs your help because they need a few more bucks. I'm going to talk to NATO and I'm going to talk to Kamau who are on the phone in a minute. But I just want to tell you that this is a classic liberal triangle. You have a black man, a Jewish socialist and a lesbian. This is powerful stuff. And these are all funny people and they're hitting the road and they're going to the uh, the the main centers. I'm not sure. Let me get you guys on now. So you know, tell me the uh, what what's behind the dates here. We got September 10th in Phoenix. Uh, why Phoenix? Uh, well, Phoenix was really sort of sparked. I mean, the whole tour was inspired by Arizona. That after Gabriel Giffords got shot, uh, you know, we just thought every time Arizona's in the news, they're doing something stupid, and there have got to be some cool people in Arizona trying to fight back against the crazy immigrant hating, face shooting nuts down there, and they could use a laugh. And that's where you come in. Great. So now tell me about Chicago, Illinois. What about that date? 
Uh, Chicago, we we were we knew we were going to Dearborn and to uh, Madison, Wisconsin, and we want we wanted to go to Chicago. Kamau and I both have roots there, and uh, you know, and Chicago has this incredible history, and so we sort of wanted to touch down there before forging deeper into the Midwest uh, to Dearborn on the 16th, uh, which is uh, historically a, a white racist city that was uh, of, of Ford factory workers that has been overtaken by uh, Muslims and now has the biggest Muslim population in the country. And we thought that was interesting. Can I ask and you a question, NATO? I mean, I, I just want to make sure you check yourself. You did say overtaken. You did say that. I, I'm comfortable saying that white racists have been overtaken by by Arabs. Uh, okay, okay. So you, that was I, intentional. I just I didn't know if that maybe something slipped out of you and no, okay, on purpose. Okay, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, and, obviously and, uh, the great uh, recall elections and union activity. That's right. And then we go to Washington D.C. to take it right to the Capitol steps. Am I right? Where are you performing there on the Capitol steps, fellas? Uh, yeah, basically, but down the street and across town. Oh, you mean you mean you're going to be performing in front of the monument, Kamal? Is this going to happen? Well, you know, it's near the monument, but not there either. <laughs> Where, what 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 venue? The Art Center. It's the D.C. Art Center, which and, is uh, you know we'll, we're going to take. That's why we're the documentary crew. We might go to the Capitol and try to take it to the Capitol, but then we'll do a show later that evening and tell everybody what happened. Okay, and New Orleans, uh, obviously uh, devastated by Katrina and still... No, New Orleans for everything that's happened to New Orleans since the founding of New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. All right, and then you end up in Oakland, which is obviously Oakland. Yeah, it's our home base, and again, Oakland pretty much for the same reasons we're going to New Orleans, but you know. So, and it's actually the... Even though we're all... Me and Nito live in San Francisco, Oakland has always been the place where the laughter against machine shows have gone the best, so... That's our home. That's our home in the Bay Area. So now you're hoping to stir up some shit and get some documentary footage. So now, what's it, what do people need to do in order to get this uh, over the top? You need 20k. You've got uh, 14 and change, and they go to Kickstarter. It seems to me the easiest way for people to make a contribution to this movie getting made is to go to Kickstarter and do a search for "Laughter Against the Machine." And uh, to kick in a few bucks. And it seems that there's tiers of donations. Like, uh, I think that if you donate like a $1,000, uh, you can you can have a threesome with whoever you want. Is that you pick two? <laughs> That's true. Well, you, you, know, you have to have it with the three of us. But yes, you can have a, you can have a foursome if you want to. Bring Even someone else. Fivesome. Yeah, and that's a, that would be considered a political action. And that, yes. Would, yeah, okay. So yeah, if you go to Kickstarter, you look up Laughter Against a Machine, there are several different tiers of donation, and there are things that you get, uh, you know, you meet and greet, dinners, this, that, and the other thing. Go and check it out. But this is a, a good cause because there aren't a lot of people doing this type of comedy anymore and bringing it to, uh, to people in politically charged areas in order to sort of disarm uh, some of the bullshit that has gone down in the last 50 years. You are disarming 50 years worth of bullshit, or should we say maybe 100 years worth of bullshit? I'm going with 1,000 years of bullshit. Holy shit, NATO. That is a, that is a big undertaking. Well, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. All right, so uh, and we only have till Friday to raise the money. So okay, so you got till Friday. It'd be great to get this movie made, and, and I and I really want uh, my listeners to help out. So go to Kickstarter, uh, look up, uh, search "Laughter Against a Machine," and kick in whatever you can because I think this should be an interesting tour. And go see the live shows as well in those dates mentioned. What is the site that they can go get all the information about the tour, fellas? LATMcomedy.com. LATMcomedy.com for the tour info. Kickstarter. Look up Laughter Against a Machine to help support these liberal bastards in their agenda. I find that picture frightening. Um, that is my mother's 
uh, mother's mother. Uh-huh. So that's my great grandmother. Um, yeah, I don't know why those uh, pictures are always creepy. Well, it's the times. People were just. Don't oh, you think we should be talking about this on air? We are talking about it on air. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all happening. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I think that I just think that those were the times. People, you know, people didn't say to you, "Smile." <laughs> But really, in Yiddish, no. It was people were you know conservative and quiet and introspective in the old country. That that is not. Uh, this, that, that, I don't this. think there was a lot of joy and you know maybe there was dancing at, at you know weddings and, and simchas, but day to day there weren't there wasn't a lot of laughs. It doesn't. That is not how my my mother characterizes that woman in that picture. My mother characterizes her grandmother as being a terror that made her eat horrible things and blames that her. That woman? That woman apparently looks, was evil well, and forced my mother to okay, eat. Okay, well, but we're saying the same thing. She doesn't look happy. She looks She looks hard. She looks... But I mean, I don't... I, I Okay, maybe I just can't see the screaming version in my mind. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if she was... I don't... I can't testify to whether she was a screamer. And that, those are all her kids. Those are, my grandmother is on the uh, left. That. That little girl on the left. With and f- that's uh, my uncle George, in the back. Yeah, and that's uh, Gussie. Oh, my uh, great aunt Gussie. Gussie. There's always a Gussie. <laughs> what does that stand for? Is um, it just Gussie? Is it Gertrude? I mean, it's what Gertrude. Is- oh, it is. Yeah, because also, and I know a lot of people um, who are Gertrude who um, were Gizzy, who are who are from um, Hungary. Giz- oh, Gizzy is the Hungarian version of Gussie of, of Gertrude. Yeah, that's uh, Poland. The that Poland being represented there. That's, uh, that's that's our Polish. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> Sandra Bernhardt is in my garage. We're talking about uh, old Jews in a very abstract way, as we both are slowly becoming now, them. My friend um, <laughs> Elise Roth is yeah. a producer and a huge fan of yours. Oh, I know her, Lisey. Lisey yeah. E. Roth, the Buzzies. What is, what is she? How do I know her? I feel like we've met. In you everything. have. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure she knows you, and you've worked and done something together. Now I feel bad. I feel like I should edit in. Of course, Elise. How is she? There. That's fine. That'll make Elise happy. Just leave it. <laughs> but, 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 put put the. Anyway, she said that you are also from Arizona. New Mexico. Oh, New Mexico. My okay. brother lives in Arizona. Okay, because you, you grew up. Well, there? I moved to Arizona when I was ten. But you are too. In, you're ingrained and wired uh, East Coast Jew, aren't you? Um, no, actually, I'm from Michigan originally. Really? Yeah, I'm a Midwest Jew. That's that has just as much integrity. Yeah, it does. There was if a, not there, more. Yeah, there was a small tribe that spread out throughout the Midwest. That's right. How not did you, so small. I mean, a big Wisconsin, tribe. all those places. Well, Michigan and, and Ohio. How did your family get there? You know, my grandparents came from Russia to and- Michigan. To Michigan. Were they farmers or anything? No, they were in the junk business. Junk business. Scrap and iron. Sure. I don't know. Why did you gravitate towards that? Some of the guys who made the studios. Because that's, what, were, they, were, that's what they did. That's what they did in the old country. They were rag pickers. You know, that was all that was available. Are you fascinated them. with that? Of course I am. So did you track down like your grandfather? What was your grandfather's name? Why did I have to track him down? My grandfather. He was I, there? I, you grew I, up with him? I grew up with him. <laughs> Sam Lozebnik. L a z e b n i k, which means yeah. barber surgeon. Wow! So, so that in, in those days, apparently, you, if you were a barber, you could also remove right. remove somebody's appendix. I think that was the way it was. Yeah, in the middle in the Middle Ages, I guess all the way through, it was the same thing. Yeah, I get sort of I I, I kind of get fascinated with it, but I don't get too hung up on it. I think more when I was a kid, I was sort of hung up on my whole heritage, and I knew you know I've got an Izzy somewhere back there, and they were I don't know. I've got everybody. Listen, what? my grandfather, Sam, yeah. Yeah. and his brother, Uncle Joe, who, yeah. who, when he came to this country, ended up with the last name Davidson because his son, his father was David. Right. So, you know, when they came, I don't know, when they came in, they'd ask questions and he probably just said, 
Well, they probably said, what's your father's name? Uh, David. So they just called him David's son. Right. Oh, so right. he didn't have Lizabnik. He had David's son. It was Joe Davidson, Sam Lizabnik. Then my grandmother, um, Edith. Yeah, Edith. Edith Eisenberg. Uh-huh. And her sister, Bessie. Bessie. Two sisters married two brothers. So Bessie and Joe were married. And Sam and Ithka, which is her Yiddish name. So, oh my God! So we have double all these double cousins on on that side. It's nuts. My grand, my father's grandparents on his mother's side were first cousins. There's that too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how they let that happen. So but now this is but long... this this is a little different. It's two brothers. No, no, of two course sisters. There's no incest involved. No. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe there was. I don't I, know. You know, who knows? I am fortunate to have you on know, the legacy of diabetes and heart disease and uh, shaky genes due to a, a a cousin coupling. Yeah, probably. I don't know. Do you ever get that feeling when you look at Orthodox Jews that they... I've had this discussion. I get before. a lot of feelings when I look at Orthodox Jews. What are Jews. they? Well, I get I get the feeling that uh, there's not a lot of, you know, hygiene. Right. With these men that are wearing sh- you know, the stremels, the fur hats. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so they it, smell. Listen. All right. All right. Okay. From herring. Yeah, yeah. From from and, sweat. From praying. Yeah. Not only do they dress like it's an 18th century Poland or whatever it is, yeah. but they eat the same way. Yeah. But but I've had this conversation before. Do you ever look at them and think like you know without the getup, this guy doesn't look Jewish? Like they're they're red hair, yeah, or some yeah. that fine skin because they're not spreading out the gene pool enough. That's right. That's all right. right. It's we don't very, have to. It's very crazy. I don't want people to think we're anti-Semitic either. Aren't we allowed to be as Jews? Or is that I think bad? it's more self-referential and like you know, it's it's introspection. It's like you look at you look at us, you know. We, we want to get better, you know. Right. We don't want to just stay in the in the loop, you know. Right. But I, I there's something I love about you know that the continuity and the history of it. I mean, it's fascinating. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's just like boom, we left you know Eastern Europe and boom, here we are. And it's yeah. like in a hundred years, it's like there, we we bear no resemblance right to the people we were. In that picture. I find, I find that well, <laughs> I've seen some women who look like that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just done up a little better. Mm-hmm, they got mm-hmm. different hairstyle, a little more attention to uh, to accessories. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, okay, so Scottsdale, Arizona, is that where you were? Yeah, that's where I went to high school. Did you know Gary Shanley? I didn't know Gary then, no. I you, mean, I know Gary now, but not yeah. then. So let me tell you how I became sort of uh, obsessed with you uh, uh, a while back. When I was in high school, uh, I don't wanna, you're not that much older than me, but I remember seeing The King of Comedy. I was like, this is fucking amazing. But then I was a doorman at the comedy store. And I was a doorman at the comedy store in 1987. And the belly room at that time was not, it was just a place where non-paid regulars work, but she still had the pictures up there right, right. for the original concept of the belly room. That's right. So your picture is up there. Yes. And I don't think a lot of people necessarily associate you with, you know, with it, with, you know, straight up stand up. Yeah. Which you are. Yeah. And and when did you come out here? What age were you? I was eighteen. I came out in nineteen seventy four. Uh, that summer, I went to manicuring school, Charles Ross School of Beauty on Beverly Boulevard, next to Jan's Coffee Shop. Do you still got it? I well, I dream that I still have it, which scares the hell out of me that I'm that I'm you know that I'm back manicuring again. Um, and um, about a year later. Um, I hooked up with this woman named Judy Vallon, who would perform special material by her mother. What does her, that mean? Well, in the day, you know, people would write special material for people, like songs, like you know, like kind of like um, they, I never vaudeville that. okay. burlesque. That's what they called it. Yeah, it was special, special material ma- by whoever yeah. wrote the material. Okay. So um, I forgot how I met her. She lived around the corner above a, um, an SM leather bar in, some, in my neighborhood because I lived on Norton Avenue at the time. Oh, my God. My phone now. Okay, yeah. Don't worry. I don't care. Who cares? So 
She said, "We, I don't know. I had a party one night, and I was, I was, you know, doing my san- early, you know, late teen Sandy shtick." And she goes, "She was screaming laughter." This is a woman who left her children behind. So you had in no Ohio. Aspira- no aspirations to be a stand-up. You were just. I had out. aspirations to move to L.A. and become either a singer. Yeah. I really wanted to be a musical comedy star. I was influenced by Carol Channing when I was eight years old when, right, I, when yeah, I saw yeah. her in Hello Dolly and right. at the Fisher Theater in uh-huh. Detroit. However, the years change, you know, um, musical not comedy shifted. Yeah. Not that. I just, I suddenly realized it really wasn't my bailiwick. I yeah. mean, there was a short window of opportunity for, um, that I thought musical comedy was, you know, interesting. Yeah. And I, at this point, I'd been through too much. I've, you know, I've been traveled to Israel. I've, you know, been exposed to all kinds of interesting music. I love Joni Mitchell and you went to Israel? Nero. Yeah, I worked on a kibbutz for eight months after, oh my God. after high school. How was that? It was fabulous. Really? I had a great time. So you were pretty Jewish. It wasn't even about being Jewish then because 90% of the volunteers on the kibbutz were from all around the world. So it was like, you know, from South Africa and England and Australia and not even Jewish. And what did you do? You planted things? I I did everything. I I worked in, I I picked fruit. um, Did it change your life? Yeah, it changed my life. It changed my, 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 well, not that I, as a kid, didn't have a work ethic, but no, what what kids don't know about work ethics. So I learned about getting up every morning and doing something mundane yeah. that that you know was had a payoff in the sense of great you know being part of the reward, community a, re- a reward yeah. you know that you've done something and you've helped yeah so I took that experience to Hollywood with me and wasn't afraid to get up every morning and 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 work as a manicurist to support myself and then go off you know a year so a year later Judy Valen says you got to come to the Ye Little Club. Which has had open mic night. That's where uh, Joan Rivers used to do her uh-huh. act on Cannon Drive. Uh-huh. And um, so she took me there, and she said, "You're going to meet Paul Mooney. He's, you know, I've told Paul Mooney all about you." And a gonna, young Paul Mooney. Yeah, and you're going to meet Lotus Weinstock. Oh yeah. Who then they're going to love you. And I got up, and I was wearing a, I was wearing safari shorts, a safari jacket, a hat, and some lace up espadrilles. <laughs> And I got on stage and I did my my Mary Tyler Moore impression. Mm. Oh, Robert Patrick, mm. you have ruined your birthday surprise. <laughs> then I did my first joke. I'm a medium. I understand you're a small, you're an extra large. <laughs> that was the first. I never. I mean, I don't write jokes, but I had to write a joke. So yeah, that yeah. was my joke. <laughs> and so I had five to seven mm. minutes of material. I got Pretty off good stage. Joke. <laughs> yeah, and Paul Mooney and Lotus Weinstock, you know, wrapped their arms around me, and Paul Mooney said. Bernhard, I'm Mooney. You're brilliant. They're going to put you through hell in this town. They're going to put you through hell in a pair of kerosene drawers. <laughs> You're a cigarette come to life. <laughs> and Lotus was just like my earth mother. Uh-huh. And the two of them really became my angels in this business. So that was uh, so that scene, was was it more of a variety show? Was it all stand-ups? Was the comedy store open yet? Oh, yeah, the comedy store was open. Like but just this a is, few this years? Is where, this is where you went... You know, before you could get on at the comedy store, right? But Mooney was already at the comedy store. Oh, Mooney store. was there. Yeah. Mooney was at the comedy store. So there's like a satellite room. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But you know, you still went and did your shtick right. all around town. You know, and everybody was doing it. And then from there, who I was, else was on the scene? Um, you know, and who was on the scene then? Everybody. I mean, when I started off, there, there uh, Letterman, Jay Leno, Elaine Boozler, Cheech and Chong. Cheech and Chong were already. They, no, no, they were already. I, I did. Yeah. I did a small role in their film, um, 
Was it um, Up in Smoke or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, had- I just, I'm just going by the pictures. I remember. I'm still sort of obsessed with those pictures. Like, no, no. Cheech and Chong had already become- Craig T. Nelson was on the wall there. Barry Levinson. I mean, did these guys actually do stand-up in your Not recollection? Not when I was there. Oh, but you were there almost at the beginning, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. But no, I don't remember them per se. They might have just stopped I'm by. Robin Williams got sure. up every night. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of all the different people that were there on a regular basis. So you were there with Letterman when he started, basically. Yeah. And you guys was uh, what in Roseanne? Not yet. That was no, before no. Roseanne her time. came long after I had left the comedy scene. And what was your experience with Mitzi? And how did people get in? Mitzi then? was, you know, very. You know, she didn't like a lot of women. She liked her men around her, Argus Hamilton, yeah. and, and all the people that you know she had affairs with. Yeah, yeah. Steve, Steve Landisberg. Landisberg. Was he doing stand up then? Yes, he was doing stand up. God, then. I can't. Even, what was that like? You know, very droll, esoteric. You know, I mean, I, I, I didn't really stand and watch them. You yeah. Know? Who did you watch? Um, like who were the people that you were like, holy shit? Was Pryor coming around? Pryor would come around because then Paul Mooney got me on the Pryor show. He got all of us on the Pryor show on NBC. Robin, and, Robin and, and and yeah, and and Marshall Warfield. Everybody who was on that show was because of Mooney. Was he? Did you? Uh, did you gravitate towards Richard at all in the sense of his comedy? Were you? Oh, well, I always loved. Yeah, I mean, he's brilliant. Yeah. You know? I mean, I loved. Um, I mean, two of my really early early influences comedically were um, Lily Tomlin and Bette Medler. So when I first started performing, I was kind of like I was a hybrid because I wanted to sing. You yeah. Know, and I wanted music. Yeah. So I took that kind of. You know, high energy from yeah. that meddler, and then you know the kind of just the the flow and the intellectual aspect of Lily Tomlin. I kind of merged the two initially, just because I, you know, everybody, you just you have to emulate somebody when right. you start. And then shortly after that, I began to like develop my own style. You know, I, I would, you know, I get, I, because I took it more of a rock and roll direction, and and you know, and then I got more into like fashion and reading from magazines and doing all my little on you know, stage, yeah. So like, and I would in, talk about being a manicurist because, of course, I, I was doing that. So that was a great kind of like you know. Yeah. I talk about my clients yeah. and the ladies of Beverly Hills uh-huh. and you know. Yeah. And slowly evolved my style. Now, when you were doing that, were you so you weren't singing yet on stage? I, I no, not right away, but like within a year, I was singing, and no matter what, because there was always a piano player at yeah. clubs. So I would give them like sheet music, and I would I would do a song at the end of my show. And my signature piece was um, "Desperado" by the Eagles. Sure, yeah. So I would always close my show with "Desperado." <laughs> it was like people were like, "What?" I don't even ever. I just did and it. You I said just, it. You said I, I wrote I wrote it through. I wrote it through. <laughs> you sang it earnestly. Yeah. <laughs> For what reason you just liked? Because I like the song, and yeah. I like what I had to say, and I hit. You know, it was all about like you know. Being alone and you know out on the range, basically, uh-huh. kind of was metaphoric, you know, for me. You know, uh-huh. I was like, here I was, this you know, young woman in L.A. on her own. So, but you're you're pretty like when I watch you from early on, like in, in early clips and even in uh, you know, well, King of Comedy, which obviously was a character. I mean, you, there there's a certain like an insane intensity, and 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 there's something almost menacing about your stand-up sometimes. In the point where like I was a little nervous that you were coming over. Because uh, you're fucking a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm only a force to be reckoned with when I'm really hungry, and I'm because I get so what hypoglycemic. Do you, do you starve yourself before shows? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. But I don't I don't feel that 
I feel like I'm, I've gone in different directions. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's really the, the thrust of my shows anymore. No, no, no. I'm just talking about but what no, back then. Historically, historically. Listen, was, I, had to, I had to be that tough because, you know, I was on my own. You you know, you pull up to the comedy store. You got to park in the parking lot. You're a lady alone. I, I was a girl. I was a kid, you know, so you, living in Hollywood and stuff. And it's like. But how I, were you received by male comics? Because, I mean, I don't like to, to, to bring this up because I've been criticized for it. But there is a sort of. Sexism? Well, I know. No, I don't mind bringing that up. But I mean, just the competition of it all. Yeah, there's always competition and there still is. I mean, I think people like, you know, comics don't really, really like each other underneath it all. If, you don't? If, no. I mean. <laughs> Why? Because I, mean, I think it's, it's threatening. You, I mean, there's a, a small pool of material to draw from. But do you think that comedians like anybody deep down? I mean, most like, comics don't like themselves to start with, so they probably don't like too many other people. Yeah, um, I de- I never liked the comedy scene because of that. I like I like a sense of camaraderie. I mean, most of my friends are you know music people. I'm yeah. very good friends with Roseanne because yeah. she transcends stand up comedy. She transcends most things. Yeah, because she's <laughs> she's, she's crazy and brilliant. Yeah. Um, so I never, you know, with the exception of Paul Mooney and Lotus, because Lotus is also a, a, was a singer songwriter and had a very soulful quality. To, and she'd been on the, you know, she'd gone out with um, Lenny Bruce. Yeah, when she was a kid, almost. When she right? was a kid, so I, you know, I always, I'm always, I've always been attracted to people who are very eclectic. Right. Were that were most of these guys that all of us know now as these, you know, kind of like Letterman and Leno and these, then the guys who were at the store at that at that time were they were they nice to you? I mean, did you guys hang out? Mm, no, yeah. I mean, I uh, no, I mean, they were fine, you right? Know? I, yeah, e- they, you know, they're just they were like they're weird guys, like you know, <laughs> it's like it's a weird business to be in, you know. They're we're they're all, like everybody's trying to get laid, yeah. and everybody's you know trying to like be groovy, and, yeah. You know, no, I <laughs> they were I just kind of around, yeah. They being were weird. around. I didn't. I, I didn't really like any of them. I guess that we're all sort of social misfits on some level. Yeah. So there is that element to it. But what, I. I mean, I don't. I don't feel like I'm a social. I never felt like I was a social misfit because I was influenced by, you know, I liked old Hollywood. I liked Broadway. I liked glamour. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't trying to denigrate. I never denigrated myself. I never did self-deprecating material, which was very unusual for a woman at that time. Yeah. You know, and, I celebrated myself, and I think that was a you know very like disarming for people. And at that time, uh, you chose not to get stuck in that kind of like stand-up comedy club circuit you, you made some sort of conscious decision at some point not well, to i was be... lucky because i mean shortly after you know well i, I was on the scene for five years you know yeah. i was making the rounds i was doing you know rusty blitz's you know bagel place and, yeah you know rusty blitz no nope. you don't remember before rusty? my time you know there were a lot of like weird places you could go and do your act that had like you know 20 25 people but you know those are the places where you, you hone your craft where you, you can know? figure out new stuff yeah you get up you know you f- fall you get up you right. fall you get up sure but you know by um by 1981 i'd been cast in king of comedy how did that happen i um Actually, my friend Lucy Webb, who was a part of a comedy team, my friend Cheryl Henry and Lucy Webb had a comedy team, and Lucy had gone up for the role. Almost every actress and every comedian in Hollywood had gone up for the King of Comedy, and and my my um, agent at the time, who was Chris Albrecht, from at HBO, I, yeah, he was at ICM. Uh huh. 
kept telling me he had gotten me up for it, but he hadn't gotten me up for the, the role. And Lucy said, you've got to get up for this role, Sandra. I'm going to call Sis Corman myself. Uh-huh. She, she, was, she called Sis Corman, and I set up my own meeting. She's the casting director. She's the casting director. I yeah. went in and I improvised and 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 read from the you know the the script. And yeah. she was, she looked at me and she went, "Hmm, I think Marty would like to meet you." <laughs> yeah. So I think it was either the next day or maybe that later that day. I came back and I met with Marty and I read for him and he was, you know, and then he was he like intense and frenetic. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And he and um, De Niro. Um, came to the comedy store to see me perform and Richard Belzer got up and improvised with me like it, kind of the way it would be in King of Comedy. Oh, really? Yeah. As a favor to you or yeah. did I ask him to? Yeah, oh, well, I asked a... him but he loved me. He would... Yeah, he's a great guy. Belzer's so sweet. Yeah. So we did this funny little improv. They love that. Yeah. Uh, a month went by. I didn't hear anything and then um, they oh, called. Month. They called. I know. I was like, I went down with Mooney to Palm Springs. I said, it's not happening. I was depressed and... Then I got back and it was before, you know, cell phones. Sure. And they had left me a message on my, my um my answering machine and I was like, Oh my god So they flew me to New York and um and I met with uh, Jerry Lewis and I, I auditioned with Jerry Lewis and that was kinda like that they had to see how I interacted with Jerry. So I was hanging around for a couple of days. Did you do you remember Bell Zwerdling, who was at the door at the comedy store? No, I was a doorman in nineteen eight uh, late. I was late. Uh, she, by this point, she'd already become an agent. Anyway, yeah. Bell was with me, and we were sitting on my bed and, and at the um, um, Mayflower Hotel on Central Park West. And the phone rang, and they and and, and they told me, I, "Sis Carmen told me I got the role," and I was just like, I, I didn't even know how to respond. It they was said just, Jerry likes you. Yeah, they yeah. love me. They yeah. love me, and then. Um, and then we went downstairs to have um, lunch at the conservatory, and then De Niro and Scorsese walked by, and I ran after them down the street, just like Masha would in yeah, King of Comedy. Yeah. I grabbed them, and I hugged them, and uh-huh. they were scared, and the whole thing was just like, and that was like, you know, <laughs> boom. So exactly 30 years ago, as a matter of fact, that I that we shot King of Comedy. Now, when, I, I can't even, so how old were you? I, I turned 26 my first night of shooting. That's fucking Unbelievable. And when you were doing it, how how much leeway did you have in that character? I mean, obviously, I I would imagine that a lot of people identify you with that character. They do, and they assume like you know she's pretty much like that. <laughs> well, they did at the time, which I think probably was the reason I didn't get as many ro- film roles as I should have gotten. Uh huh. And also, I had terrible representation, so I never got up for roles to like so I could go in and read for a part and show them. But you know what? I, you can't even look at things like that. That was that's what happened. That's and that it propelled my my live performing career. That which is what I did a lot of. And then I got you know I did other things. And you know here we are. I mean you know no yeah careers are so funny. They're uh, yeah. just they're just weird. You know. Well, and I it, think what's interesting and and we'll get to the evolution of it is that what you set out to do you did right. And and whatever you know wherever you thought you might have been or whatever we whoever we are. I mean I'm I'm in my garage hosting a a, a podcast. I, I'm not sure this was exactly. Yeah, but the everybody plan. loves it. It's successful. Well, people people dig it, and, I, and I'm happy with it. But you know, every, everybody loves you too, and you seem to do all right for yourself. I know I do. So, but I want to know about Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis <laughs> I, I, was if, insane. If you've talked about this a million no, times, no, I apologize. No, you know what you you you're you're reaching out to a different audience. Some of these you know, these are great stories. These are stories I'm I'm going to tell my whole life. I mean. Jerry Lewis was insane. He wore a different pair of socks every day. He cut his own hair with a flowbee, you know, in those flowbee combs. Right. He never. He, so it was just like he has his own thing. He had. He used Dunhill aftershave. Uh huh. He has. He, had, he wore a certain kind of you know collared shirt and you know and 
And he wore this like, you know, pinky ring with his Jerry Lewis. Did you have any understanding of him as a performer oh, of before? Of course. You were a I fan or with, you did? I grew up with Jerry. Who didn't grow up with Jerry Lewis right. in the 50s, 60s, 70s? So you I saw mean, the movies. I saw the movies, <laughs> The Nutty Professor. I watched the um, the muscular dystrophy. So you know. was there a moment where, you know, like this is this is a different Jerry Lewis? What? It wasn't so much about that. It was yeah. just more like, oh my God, this is the like Jer- this is like acting with my father. <laughs> I mean, my dad's name is Jerry, also, and he's equally as intimidating. What's your dad do? He's a doc. He was a doctor. He's been retired for a long time. So I grew up with a doctor too. That's it's a what I odd. heard. Yeah. What kind the, of doctor was your dad? Orthopedic surgeon. Oh. But he screwed everything up. But that's you know another story. He was a little nuts. But doctors yeah. are a lot to deal yeah. with. Yeah. My my dad too. All but he screwed it up. Well, what do you mean? Well, my dad had, you know, my dad's a little bipolar and, you know, he kind of made a mess of his uh, life and his uh, career. My dad's not, my dad wasn't bipolar. He was just narcissistic and really mean. Yeah, I got the, yeah. What Super is mean and abusive and like he's totally, you know, totally um, has excommunicated myself and my three brothers. Why? Because he's he needs to blame people. He's blamed his everything his whole life on other people. Well, what is his particular victimness? I mean, like, what is he blaming them for? You don't know. Just, just, just because you know, for mistreating him and disrespect. There's always disrespect what in is my dad's it, life. What is it with fucking narcissists and they're you know, they're such babies? Well, I you mean, know, I mean, I've tried to like re- reconnect with him, and it was just the same old shit, you know. And I was like, I'm not dealing with this crap anymore. And then my three brothers were all like, "Fuck this," you know. Who needs it? My brothers are all, you know, successful professional people. I'm a, a, a fucking superstar. Yeah. You know, and we're all at the same time. We love our family. We're very close. Right. We're all real with each other. Yeah. But my father couldn't hack it. You know what I mean? It was just like he couldn't cut. It didn't make no, the cut. No, he didn't make. He he excommunicated because it wasn't enough about him. That's anymore. right. That's right. I, you know, I just don't know what the hell to do with that. And then when he finally, if you you know what's weird is that when I had when I finally pushed my dad to the wall to see what was in there, mm. you know what's in there? Fuck you. That's right. That's right. It's the weirdest thing. You're yeah. looking like there's got to no. be a heart there, but you know, really, when no. you're sort of when you're going after those needs, no, it's not there. But isn't that bizarre? Have you fully accepted the fact that uh, somehow or another they're not going to be the parent you want? Oh yeah. I mean, listen. What? This is what I look at. I look yeah. at all the great things I got growing up from yeah. my father because I got a great sense of confidence. Yeah. And he had his own sense of humor and fun. You know, because when you're young, you know you're. And you're a parent. You're entertaining your kids. You're the, you're the you know you're, you're oh you the, love them. You, yeah. you think they're oh my geniuses. god, my dad's so funny. I'm, yeah. I mean, I would stand in front of the mirror with my dad and put shave cream on my face and take the edge of my toothbrush and pretend I was shaving while right, he was right. shaving. I, I worshipped my dad growing up. What kind of doctor? He was a GP, but he also did proctology, which was just so ridiculous. And like you know, that was there's no the end jokes, of the humor. Yeah. But I didn't. You know me. I'm too sophisticated. I never. Sure. I never yeah, mind. I not. never mind that, that particular uh, field. Never mind. Except that, there, there, there yeah. was there was only one joke I ever had. My my, my um, father's a proctologist. My mother's an abstract artist. That's how I view the world. Yeah. That was my line for many years. <laughs> the, the, and that the, was enough of a commentary. Yeah, that was very good. And I would, people always like that. Anyway, where were we? Jerry Lewis. So was, you're working with Jerry Lewis. I worked with Jerry Lewis. He was, um, you know, he's incredibly intimidating. I mean, he's a legend. Um, he doesn't, you know, at the time, especially, he didn't like women. I mean, you know, you see, you see yeah, I mean, Wait, he used, he's made statements he used women, but he used women in his movies as foils. You know, there was no, I mean, it was just like they were there to go, oh, Jerry, you know what I mean? It was but like, even more recently, he made a comment, I think, at uh, maybe at the Aspen Comedy Festival a while back, that there's no funny women. Yeah, but right. even, I think he's softened since then because I was at his roast at the uh, Friars Club about six years ago. Yeah. 
And he saw me and he was like practically weeping like, oh, my God, I've heard great things about you. And I'm so proud of you. He was so sweet to me. Isn't it interesting? These guys that, you know, like you were fortunate enough to work with him, but like they they came up in a time where you made 20 movies. Right. That, you know, some movies that nobody ever saw, but you, they were always doing movies. And like yeah. this one movie was sort of a life defining thing for you. Right. And, you know, on some level for him, it was like another movie. It wasn't, it wasn't, I'll yeah. tell you, because for yeah. two reasons. He was playing a, a dramatic character, mm-hmm. and he wasn't directing it and in charge of it. So that was very challenging for him. And and Scorsese is very generous and allowed him to, like, you know, give his input in, in different, you know, capacities just to, like, assuage him. And I understood that. I, I mean... It's Jerry Lewis, you know. Yeah. It's it's a different some guy generation. A, I remember some guy made a point about that when I read a review of that movie that in that scene where I, I, I think you're chasing him. Yeah. That like in the midst of all this sort of darkness and this serious character, he did that ridiculous <laughs> run of his. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was just like, his feet were flailing about. He's amazing. So now after that movie though, because I, I'm trying to think when the there was a, a point where I, I I knew you were on tour and uh, I think I was uh, I was back in Albuquerque where I grew up, and you were performing somewhere. And I I just got the feeling that that did you go through like after that your expectations were pretty high, I imagine. Yeah. And did you get bitter? Oh no 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 no! no? I never got bitter. No? no, you didn't get angry. No, I yeah. just got confused. I yeah. just didn't know. You know, I I kind of jumped around to to a few different agents. I probably should have stayed with one agent. Yeah, I should have stayed with an agent who you know could have groomed me in a different way. Yeah, the only time I, I really hooked up with great agents um, was in the late eighties. I was uh, Sue Menger's super agent, mm-hmm. who was a legend. Went back to William Morris, and she took me on along with a few other agents, and um, that's when they got me um, Hudson Hawk. Oh, which yeah. was supposed to be a huge, huge, huge movie, and it was the first movie that Bruce Willis ever did that bombed. Yeah, so that was sort of a that that was upsetting because that was like that was a turning point where I was supposed to be like kind of the comedic, funny, you know, yeah. person who right. could, should have just jumped from one film to the yeah, next. Yeah, yeah, But because of that, because you know, when things bomb in Hollywood, you know, yeah, on to the next person. Like you had something to do with it, right? But of course, you know, Bruce Willis has made you know a huge comeback, but Amazing. I'm still waiting for my next big role in a film, you know. And, but what was the next film? Well, you did the documentary, but that was years later, right? Well, was yeah, it? I did my live performance. Yeah. No, it wasn't that. Actually, it was right around the same time. For the first one, for the first show, the yeah. one-person show. Yeah, which was more, but it was like a film. It wasn't like a- Right. Was, a, was, was it black a, and white, kind of? Was there my, parts of it black and white? Or, I can't remember. Um, No, but we just did it. We It was intercut with interviews. These, right, right. These fake interviews well, yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. people that were supposedly in my life, and then like- you know, this this woman who was kind of floating through as my alter ego, this, this beautiful black woman. Uh-huh. Um, it's a great film, too. I think King of Comedy and Without You, I'm Nothing, the film, are two of my, you know, in terms of, like, filmic. Well, th- I think the amazing thing about you is 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 that you have a, a, a sophisticated um, sense of art and what you, it, which you just don't find a lot in, in, in comedy all the time. Right. That, you, you know, you had a sensitivity to... You know, uh, not vaudeville, but you know, you know, true sort of cabaret and and true you know show business, and 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 you were able to sort of build yourself into this this force that right. has to do with comedy. But I don't know why, for some reason, I was so intimidated by you, and and your comedy was always like so fucking ballsy and like you know like you meant business, like you to me you were like <laughs> holy fuck. Now when 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 Roseanne used to do on her show. As a recurring character, yeah, that that was a gay character that and that had never really been done before. 
Right. Well, we start off, you know, where she's she she marries um, Tom Arnold, his, right. his character, and then the whole the whole premise was he was so disgusting that he turned me gay. Okay, that was sort of the, right. that was the jumping off place. Right. That was where we, where we came up with it. It wasn't like let's do a gay character and blow everybody's mind. There was right. like it was like it's more whimsical. It's more yeah. like, oh my god, she's so disgusted by men now she's gay. You know, it's uh-huh. like. But then, of course, yeah. I mean, it was it was revolutionary in the sense that you even talked about it with humor, and it right. wasn't a heavy thing. But we never looked at it like well, this is going to change the face of you know civilization, but. And that that's why Roseanne's so great because she just did things that were organic and and, yeah. and real. You know, it, they they were real. They they hit a real note. So, at what point did your career sort of shift? in because you also became sort of pivotal in in some you know uh, you know sexual politics. You know, with Madonna. I mean, when did you start becoming this sort of spokesperson <clears throat> or icon for the uh, gay for the gay thing? Yeah. You know, that kind of just happened naturally, too. I mean, from the time, I think just from the time I started performing. Yeah. You know, I was, I, I hung out and I hung out with a lot of gay guys and it was just like, you know, just, it all just sort of, you know, gay men just are attracted to, to big personalities. And yeah. What is that? Can you explain that to me? Because I, I, I know it happens like with Kathy and with Margaret and there are certain people that, that gay men, Lisa Lampanelli even. Yeah. What, what, what defines it? Because it's. Because we're borderline character, you know, character, right? You know, it's like a characterization of a woman. Bette Midler. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's an amplification. Yeah, it's not like we're. It's like we're sort of borderline on the. You know, we could be drag queens. I mean, that's. Do people do drag you? Yeah. The, do they? I've, I've seen a few over the years. And how's that make you feel? Oh, I'm flattered. <laughs> yeah. You know, Is it? Course. Have you seen any good ones where you're like, oh my god? Um, I think I've seen a couple of good ones. Yeah. How do you identify yourself? Sexually, um, I well, I mean, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I I just feel like I've always been, you know, um, just myself, just a woman, just sophisticated, uh-huh. you know, kind of transcending uh, definition, any, any, any limitations or definitions. Yeah, you know, I I I really am attracted to people who are um, intelligent, open, funny. Um, I mean, I happen to have been with my girlfriend for for twelve years now, but it's like we don't. She's she was never with a woman, and she's totally you know beyond cool and gorgeous and smart. Yeah. And we just like we roll in a different kind of way. I I just feel like if people could just get to that point of just being like, yeah, well, this is what's happening right now. You know, it's kind of like it's like people who are in marriages, and you're like, yeah, I'm married, but you know, whatever, I could be divorced, and you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we just get, stop yeah, yeah. fixating and trying to figure it out and like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. trying to nail it to the wall? Right. I mean, I, I just, you know, it's just I'm so busy. I mean, I have a, my daughter's almost thirteen. Oh my god. Um, Are you, is she getting a bar mitzvah? She had a bar mitzvah last summer. Really? Yeah, we did it at, at a chabad, and I said they they bought mitzvah girls at twelve, uh-huh. so by thirteen you can marry them off <laughs> to a nice fifty-seven year old man. He's a he's a widower. It would be nice for him, some nice company. She could cook for him. Uh-huh. He could relax and study Torah. Oh God! I, Why in a Chabad? Because that's where I go a lot. Because I because it's I like to hear the I like to hear the Torah reading. 
You got and then you go to these concerns. You understand Hebrew? Yeah, well, I understand. Yeah, I understand. Mm-hmm. I've mean, listened to the Torah reading enough. I understand that it's you, completely you just insane. It, it makes no <laughs> freaking sense. But I like it. I don't know. I'm, You're comforted a, by the yeah, tradition of yeah, it. Yeah, it's a dichotomy. Because now you go to like these conservative shuls. My my niece was just bought mitzvah last weekend, and they're like they're playing the guitar. Dona 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 And you go, oh, stop playing guitar at shul. You're not yeah, the stained glass windows. Yeah, there. Like, what you, is happening? There's an organ. Some of them have organs. Yeah, well, that Friday night service, somebody was like this guy, like he was like half cocked uh-huh. lounge, you know, piano player. Oh yeah, was playing for all the you know the the Hebrew songs, and I was like. They drag it on and on and on. Okay. I thought it was going to go out of my mind. Anyway, so yeah, she was bar mitzvah last summer. At a Chabad. That's so interesting. Yeah, in Manhattan. My brother's very Jewy. In, in Arizona? Yeah, but he does the sort of, you know, the new, the, what do you call it, the Jew-boo thing. Uh-huh. You know, kind of like groovy Jew. Yeah. You, you know, but he, you know, he runs a half kosher house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all do. How did the Chabad deal with the fact that you're not in a traditional relationship? They don't ask questions. Nothing? When you write the checks. That's it. They don't care. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when yeah. money, when they want they want to support their little, you know, out, their Chabad outposts. Uh-huh. Because they're, they're every 20 blocks in Manhattan, so they got to get their people to write the checks to keep the thing going, you know? It's, yeah. So they, they, the hell do they care? And what, tell me about this new show that you're doing now. Well, you know, I have a new album out. You know about that, it right? It came out, what, a couple came, weeks ago? Yeah, it came out, like no, just June 7th. That, What's it know, called? It's called I Love Being Me, Don't You? Uh-huh. Um, and that was recorded live in San Francisco um, at the Castro Theater about six months ago. So that was, like, that was like a one-off. I was just like in the zone and just improvising and just talking about crazy shit. And there's uh-huh. a few pieces that I'm, that I'm doing in the, in the live show. Wait, what kind of crazy <clears throat> shit? Well, I was just talking about, you know, and I think we were there on some sort of a... Um, it was either Labor Day or no Memorial Day or something, and there was like all these, you know, they, they do this big the fighter jet show in San Francisco mm-hmm. every year. So we have, did a whole thing about like, you know, um, don't worry about healthcare, forget about education, you know, yeah. as long as we can still bring our, you know, fighter yeah. jets into San Francisco. I love this country. It was sort of just like a, you know, kind of a, a riff on where we're at, and you know, politically. Are you afraid? No, politically. Not, well, no, I'm not afraid. Yeah. I mean, I think we've gone beyond... The, I mean, if we made it through eight years of George Bush... No, I mean, I'm not afraid of politics. I'm afraid of corporations. Yeah. I'm afraid of Monsanto. I'm, yeah. I'm afraid of, you know, the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. Because, you know, they're, they're, they've got everybody wrapped around their little finger. They've got you convinced that if you don't go on, you know... Uh, the antidepressants, you know, that have the side effects of, you know, destroying your liver. It's like a big, it's like a big uh, experiment. Yeah. You, 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 I've, I've had people where you, you know people that have problems. They go to a psychiatrist. The guy goes, I don't know what these do. Let you, why don't you take three of them a day and come back in a week? And if you can still speak, you know, maybe we're getting somewhere. <laughs> you know. It's ridiculous. I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent of um, alternative medicine, home, homeopathy. Yeah, you like the homeopathy? Yeah. Like uh, osteocostalum? Yeah, yeah. I like you think all it that works? stuff. It does work. Like, what have you had experience with it? In, well, in I mean, I, you... I have a wonderful homeopathic uh, doctor in New York, Annie Fox. Yeah. So the minute you know when the sore throat's coming on, she you know she gets you on the boy run um, remedies. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a discipline because you know you got to call every couple hours and say now it's this now it's now now it's moved into my sinuses not so you got to like follow like a regime. 
and it, and it works. It does work. Or does it? It doesn't just distract you from the fact that. Uh, well, even a, if that's what it is, it works. So, okay, that's true. Mind over matter. Did you ever? Did you ever have uh, depression or anything? Well, I think everybody has depression. But I mean, in a way that was paralyzing. No. No, that was never your issue. No. <laughs> It's never been my issue. I mean, I'm lucky because, I mean, if I get into a funk, I just go to the gym and work out or I go for a walk or, yeah. or you know, I hang out with my kid. Yeah. You never had any, like, sort of the uh, the, the, the sort of uh, stereotypical plagues of funny people, like anger, depression, neurotic. I have all of those things. <laughs> I just simply don't give in to them. I, I mean, I think everybody's just so... so so wrapped up in themselves and, you know, not, not not unable to, like, you know, participate in the world and the joy. That's where the glamour comes in. That's where fashion comes in. But this was this, this is always... You, this is when you go and get a little Botox and a little filler. Uh-huh. This is when you go and get your, your hair bumped up. <laughs> this is when you go out for a fabulous dinner in Manhattan. Were you you're always not depressed like, anymore. Were you always like that? Yeah. You know, that, it's so weird because like I get, the, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people in here and I get these ideas about who I think people are. And then I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here and you know, I'm dealing with a well-adjusted, life-embracing Sandra Bernhardt. And I'm thinking like, you're going to come in here and be like, what? What do you want? God, no. What am, how did I make who that wants up? that? Nobody wants it, but I'm, I'm but happy it's, to it's know. It's so not me. That's so not me. I have, do you find that you're misunderstood and, uh, by you know some people that are? Yeah, that, I, of course. But everybody's misunderstood. Yeah, everybody's depressed. Everybody's misunderstood. Everybody feels you know victimized. It's just what you do with it. Yeah, it's how you transform it. Uh huh. Are you singing in the new show? I'm definitely singing in the new show. Yeah. Yeah. What do you sing? Well, you know, it, it depends on the market. Like I just did a big show in New York at the Town Hall. I opened with across 110th Street. But I had a, I had special guests on. I had um, Justin Bond came on because I wrote a musical with Justin Bond last summer called Arts and Crafts. Yeah, that the two of us are going to star in as soon as we get it set up, and then Rufus Wainwright um, sang with me. He's got a pretty voice. He's got a beautiful voice, and then Liza Minnelli sang with me. And we did that song from uh, Chicago Class. How was that? It was amazing. I've known Liza from King of Comedy days because you know she knew, she worked with Scorsese and she was around and she was like. You know, hey kid, you know, she loved me and she was always very encouraging. That must be fucking amazing to it have It is. These. Well, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Wow, I'm depressed. Yeah, but. I remember at Liza Minnelli's house rehearsing, you know, while looking at her, all of her, you know, Oscars and her mom's Oscars. and you know, I mean, what's there to be depressed about? And did you grow, you grew up with like Judy Garland and stuff on some level when you were sure. a kid? Sure. Yeah, I mean, you know. It's like, I'm, you're just, you're not much older than me, but I missed a lot of that. Wait, the reason I and also I'm exposed to because you know, my my grandparents, my yeah. mother, we, you know, you know, there was the old movies on in the afternoon, sure, in the old in the day, you know. So they would sit there. Yeah, and go, we'd Look watch. And, I, you know, yeah, you know yeah, there's yeah, Myrna yeah. Loy and, and there's you know Betty Davis and you know everybody knew everybody and all the the the, 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 the gossip and all the in, you know the intrigue and the mystery of the the old stars. So I grew up on that. I grew up getting to go see you know musical theater. My brothers listened to jazz and Bob Dylan and rock and roll, and my parents listened to classical music. And you know, my mom played the piano, and so I, I was exposed to everything. And she was a up. painter too. And she was she was a, an abstract artist, a painter, and a sculptor. Yeah, that's so great. And so she had a whole group of fascinating friends who were her teachers. And Did you ever make those pilgrimages to New York to go to the museums and that kind of stuff? Um. Yes and no. I mean, you know, she. We were surrounded by people who were just, you know, I'm, I'm very successful, a great artist yeah, in yeah. their own right. So, you know, yeah. When we went to New York, you know, when I was young, we went to the, the yeah. World's Fair. We saw theater. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I grew up with a very eclectic 
you know, and then we moved to Arizona, so we saw the country and you know, we were in Arizona, we were in the old west, the beauty of nature. So you went to the World's Fair in Flushing? Yeah, in nineteen sixty four. Right. Yeah, yeah. My parents went there. Yeah, everybody the picture, went there. The beehive yeah. haircuts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and all the there. pavilions. Yeah, no, no, no one speaks of pavilions anymore. Oh. And that saddens me. <laughs> um And there's that globe sitting out there. That's still, right. The unisphere. The yeah. unisphere. Tarnished. Crumbling. <laughs> so sad. It is sad. Well, Jesus, it's, it's just very exciting. It is very exciting. And you know, the the wonderful thing about this business, because it's funny, I just I, I just did an episode of the show called Are We There Yet? It's like a black a black family show on um, TBS. Yeah. And um, Joan Rivers was on my, my um, episode, and she played my mother. You don't know until the end, so it gets sort of like revealed. Yeah. You know, when I was hanging out with Joan, and I never really met her before. And, really? And she was, you know... You look at I me, mean, she's 77 years old and she's still like oh, so yeah. in it, you know, yeah. and just in it. That was inspiring. Then I went over to do um, this episode of Roseanne's reality show in Hawaii. They flew me over about a month ago and Phyllis Diller was on the thing with me and Phyllis Diller is going to be 94. Have you met her before? And I'd never, well, yes. And you know, it's embarrassing. She remembered meeting me, but I didn't remember meeting her. She's almost 94 and she remembered and I didn't. Her mind is, she's so sharp. And I was like, you know, that's the great thing about this business. Age, it's not about age, you know? I just interviewed Jonathan Winters. Uh, yeah, and it was unbelievable. I love Jonathan. I, dro- I mean, I we were, to, see that he, that my brothers listened to Jonathan Winters. It was unbelievable. I drove up to Santa Barbara. You know, he's he's sort of, he's almost homebound a little bit because he's arthritic, but his yeah. brain. Yeah. Same and, with sa- same thing with, with uh, Phyllis. And just sitting there, you're like, oh my God. It's like time travel. It's like something transcendent that there's a cadence. How old, how old is Jonathan Winters? 85. So, but there's he's that a kid. He's a kid. Yeah, just, he's a youngin. <laughs> he's still going to go out and do a couple dates. But there's that cadence. There's a there's a way that people spoke in that time. Yeah, and there was a there was it, there was such a discipline to what being a show person was that is sort of disintegrated a little bit. Yes, and and it it it's pretty spectacular in the sense that like he, when he did a bit, even when he was just sitting there, you know, he could remember bits that he started on radio with. And he would just drop into them, and there were the voices. Uh-huh. You know, there was a, you know, it, it was all happening, uh-huh. and it was in that cadence that you just don't hear anymore. And there's that moment where he's telling, he's doing a bit, and I'm like, oh no, is he does is this going anywhere? And yeah. I'm getting yeah. concerned. You're getting nervous because you think Jonathan's <laughs> going to like just yeah. go off the rails, and then he like totally blows your mind and right has brings it, it back around. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's the same with Joan. It's the same with with the with the Phyllis Diller. I mean, these people are you know they stay engaged, and, and that's what's great about this business. You can stay in it your whole life. So there wasn't you never went through a period of disappointment or anger or like you felt marginalized or anything like that. I, you listen. I mean, I'm every not try, day, I'm listen, not picking it. Every day is a challenge. Okay. Yeah, I would like to be back in movies in a yeah. major way. I want my own TV show, whether it's you know, a talk show, a variety show, part of an ensemble. Yes, of course, I want all of this stuff, and yeah. I'm working back toward it. You know, it's it's um, some days are a struggle. Some days I'm bummed out. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, you don't want to ha- always have to depend on the road to make your living. It's a little weird, huh? You know, it also it's like it's always on your shoulders. You got to constantly generate new material. And I'm very hard on myself. I always try to give my audience a great show, and I never phone it in. So How do you uh, structure your shows? Do you improvise, or do you just? Uh... I, I have like some set pieces, and then I improvise around it because you know you, like, there's always something right. new and topical that in a month from now I, won't, I probably wouldn't necessarily want to revisit. It wouldn't even make any sense. Do you outline and then just kind of riff? yeah, yeah, yeah? It, did you always do that? You, you're not. Yeah. You don't stay. You stay away from like just straight up jokes. 
I, I've never, I've never been a joke teller except for I'm for a the medium. Yeah, yeah. You're a small. You're an extra large. <laughs> um, no, I like to just I riff. I riff. Isn't that weird that you? I remember my first joke. It's weird, and they're always very simple and just sort of like get me through. Yeah, so I just get that one laugh. Exactly. Yeah, and so so you just kind of freeform it. I do. I freeform it. I and um, you know, but it's always great to have your pieces to fall back on. The ones you know, and then always, of course, it's nice because I can sing. So like. That kind of like takes me into another zone. Right, you and got a I, piece, and then the yeah, piano comes up. Yeah, and, yeah, and then yeah, I yeah. and then I get back in. I go in and out of my zone. Um, you know, and then I kind of cover all the bases of things that are sad. You know, creatively satisfying for me as well. What kind of TV show would you like to do? Well, you know, I've written a bunch of stuff that I've pitched and hasn't been set up. You know, I, I, I mean, of course, I always want to play kind of like the odd girl out in, yeah, in, yeah. in these settings where, like, I'm looking, everybody's kind of like uh, around me, like freaking out, and I'm kind of like, hold on a minute, let's make this work. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like that kind of a character. It's you know, kind of like a postmodern Mary Tyler Moore in a certain way. Uh huh. You know, um, fish out of water. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Those are those are that seems to be the kind of role that would be. Most appropriate for me, and you'd like to do a talk show or a variety I, show, variety or more of a variety show. Do you miss a variety show? I miss them, and I wrote a variety show, and I pitched a variety show, um, and you know nobody wants to do a variety show. I don't understand that completely because they have reality shows and they're cheap to do. Right, but I don't and know people, why. Do you think variety would be appealing to people? Um, if I did it, it would be. <laughs> Because Would I you, know, because I know how to like mix the you know all the different elements. And was that Richard Pryor show you know, that you wrote on early on? Was that a variety show? It must. Have no, been, I didn't right? write on it. I I was I did oh, sketches. Oh yeah, but that was a variety show, right? Yeah, like Sonny and Cher, Tony Orlando and Don. Uh, Not it was more sketch oriented. It was. It but was that was like a variety. That show, was though. more like a variety show. Like, yeah. What were some of the other ones? There were so many. I remember vaguely. Carol Burnett. Yeah, yeah, Sonny yeah. and Cher. You know, Dinah Shore, Johnny oh, yeah. Cash. Everybody. You know, Dean Martin. Dean Martin. Um, show. Um, Jackie Gleason. Oh, that's right. You remember? Yeah, the June vaguely. Taylor dancers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything oh, was, my yeah, God. you know. And then there were the special, the big specials. Streisand, yeah. you know, Streisand's. Did you ever meet her? I did. I met her a couple of times. How was that? Hmm. <laughs> She's cold. Really? She looks down at you like. Hmm. Have Have you had the, that hmm. experience where you've met people that you were like worshipped and and you were yeah, like, Streisand. Oh. That was it, huh? That's that's that, that was the main person. How about Bet? Bet's not, you know, Bet's not super warm either, uh-huh. you know. And I've been really nice. I mean, I used to write let- fan letters to Bet when I was really young, and oh yeah, 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 yeah. I got your fan letters. Uh huh, huh. You love me. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, don't uh... flatter yourself, honey. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you, Bet. Go to hell. No, I. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're sitting here like you're young, you love yeah, somebody. Yeah. It's like if somebody came up to me and was 17 or 18 and I'd hug them, I'd say, thank you, you yeah. sweet person. Oh, that's so, it's so and if they turn out in 10 years from, to be a bigger star than me, what the fuck do I care? Right, right. It's no impact on my success. Uh-huh. There's always going to be people surpassing you. You're sure. on a highway. You're driving in 70. Yeah. Somebody drives past 85. Yeah. Gaga, I love you, Gaga. She's <laughs> zooming into the future. I mean, what are you going to do? You can't stop the future. Yeah. Do, are you a Gaga fan? I like her. I can't quite figure her out yet. I, I'm, I'm just like, <laughs> what? what? What's baffling? I, th- I think she try- covers a, a lot of territory in terms of what her, you know, Identity. her motivation is. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, she's she's you know she's like concerned about her audience and she's like doesn't want people to be bullied and she's been bullied and she's you know and she's a talker. She's a monster. You know, yeah. it's like I don't know what that. What? <laughs> what? Gaga, stop! Help! I was very surprised because 
I, I, I'm fairly detached pop culture-wise for some reason. I just don't have the time or I'm too old or I'm too busy. I don't fucking know. Yeah, I know. It's hard to keep up with It is, but it. like I end up sitting there watching her special in Madison Square yeah. Garden and I was yeah. completely entertained yeah. and moved. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm just surprised because you, you, like initially I was just dismissing her as some sort of costume chick who did this you know, shtick, but she's very like, she engages in a she, very no, real she's, way. She's a good lady. And she talks. You she, know, and, 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 and most of all and above all, she can play that piano and she can sing live. And that's saying a lot because most people cannot do that. She does sing. She sings. And you know Madonna. Do you think like a lot of people are like, you know, that she's just doing Madonna? I think it's a different shtick, don't you? I, I think she was like, like me being influenced by Lily Tomlin and Bette Midler. I'm sure she was influenced by Madonna. Of course. It's, that was the business but model she, on some level. Yeah, it was the business model. Uh-huh. But I think she has her own thing. And she is, you know, she's, it's the next generation. It's always the next generation. It's the post, post, post modern of the person who influenced you. Yeah, it, there's no way And to that avoid doesn't take that. anything away from the person who was your model. It just, it's a new model. Do you ever watch comedy? Um, are, are you uh, aware of any of it? Uh, you know, I like Lisa Lampanelli. I think she's funny because she's <laughs> so out there. I mean, she oh takes it God. so... Um, I'll tell you something. I when uh, you know I knew her when she was teaching comedy. Like she used to be this you know angry comedy teacher at stand up in New York. She did stand up, but she was teaching classes. And then all of a sudden, she became this thing. And I went to see her do a live show, and I had never seen her do her thing. Right. And I had not been. It had been a long time. When I was a doorman at the comedy store, it was during Kennison's reign. And you know whatever you thought of that guy, when you were in the room and he was performing. There was some sort of weird kind of almost wrong electricity in the yeah. air. Yeah. And when I when she was on stage, it was primarily gay men, and it was just her balls to the wall with her get up doing her shtick. It was menacing, man. Like yeah. there was something going on there. I'm like, oh my god! Is it, there was there was no moral barometer. There was yeah. no nothing. Yeah, she takes it all the way out there. I like. Um, I mean, I like all the girls that you know, the Kristen Wiggs and the Amy Pollers and and um, Maya have Rudolph. Seen, uh, have you seen I, Maria I'm Bamford? Not- you ever seen her? No. You should check her out. She's a trip. Okay. And, but I'm just I'm just talking. Yeah, are you now? Fun. Are you friends still with? Uh, because it's interesting now. Like I knew I you know I knew a certain version of Paul Mooney when I was a doorman, uh, and you knew a much younger version of Paul Mooney, and now he's sort of reinvented himself in a way without changing himself at right, all. Right. But because of Chappelle, he's got this whole new legion yeah. of people. But do you keep in contact with him? Because I I think that. He's he's a mysterious character. Well, he is, and you know what we you know he called me on Mother's Day, and I try to come back, and I don't think the number I have from for him works anymore, and I'm a little concerned. So if anybody out there has Mooney's new number, <laughs> please call me. Yeah, he doesn't have email. Uh-huh. I can't text him. I don't know where the hell Mooney is. I mean, I'm just gonna have to like I'm gonna look on Caroline's website the next time he's at the comedy at, at Caroline's. I just have to go and. Yeah, and find him. So cause, you keep in touch with him occasionally, though. Yeah, no, no, no we're very close. Yeah. I mean, if I saw him tomorrow, we just pick up where we left yeah, off. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. he um he's always been there for me throughout my life. He's like my family. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a he's a deep dude. Yeah, and then he just disappears though. You know, he does the disappearing act, and, and he's got all these kids too. That like, I remember he had these kids, the Mooney twins. Yeah, he's Paul's just... got six kids. Um, one was actually murdered by a friend of his huh. a few years ago. It was super heavy. Wow. His youngest. Oh, wow. I'll never forget when um, I came home and my girlfriend said, um, honey, I said, well, you Mooney's youngest son was shot and killed. I said, I, I like, I call Mooney. I was just, I was hysterical. But like a real little kid, right? Or no, like... no, no, no. He was already like in his 20s. Oh, okay. 
and some friend of his, they were sitting in the car arguing, and the friend shot him. Oh, God. And horrible, horrible. So I don't know how Mooney got through that, but Mooney just pushes through shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean to get heavy in that direction, but yes, my point is I love Mooney, and it doesn't matter if I don't talk to him for a few months, but we're, we are always connected. And what about, do you have any relationship with Letterman? No. Because he used to have you on the show a lot. I was on the show 30 times. But he doesn't, you know, I don't get the sense he has a relationship with many people. No, he doesn't. But I'm sad, and it's funny, I'm always dreaming about Letterman, constantly. Well, like Real dreams? Yeah, like a dream, like, you know, like I'm trying to like... Get him to like love me and have me back on the show. It's just so it's horrible. Have you tried to get back on the show? Yeah, and you just don't know. No, I, he's just got a he got has a bug in his ass about me and will not have me back on. Really? Yeah. What about Jay? Jay has not had me on a long time, but I think part of that was because you know when I was on with the Howard. Howard talked about like you know we had like a thing when I was twenty you know I had sex with Jay Leno yeah when I was really young he wasn't with anybody but Jay called me that day he was all freaked out he goes you know I've been with Mavis I said Jay I said it's like it's humor it's comedy I mean yeah but he hasn't had me on again either but of course tomorrow if I'm in a hit TV series sure or I'm in a movie that brings one hundred fifty million dollars yeah, 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 the yeah. publicist will call and I'll be back on these shows yeah what are you doing out here now. Um, Did you fly out for my show? I flew out for your That's show. That's very nice. No one I has know. ever done that before. Um, no, I'm having some meetings and you know, get, getting around town, and um, and then I'm going to San Francisco to do a bunch of shows up there on um, June 24th and 5th. The current show. The current show. What's and it I'm, called? I love being me. Don't, Don't you. you? Okay. And I'm, you know, promoting my album, and will be for probably for six or seven or months to a year because it's a comedy album. It's not yeah, like music. Of I'm not trying to get my you know a hit song on the on the radio. Yeah, and we'll promote it here. And uh, I I'm so happy you came by. I hope you are happy. I'm very I've, I've been you know really excited about this. I, I just did it go the I way got, you wanted. Yeah, well, I just got direct. I mean, my person sent me this link, and it was like oh, it, your house showed up, like your Google <laughs> Map house on the street. And I I called him. I said, I, Are you serious? <laughs> Do you expect me to? Because I know LA very well. <laughs> And my, you know, I know because I go Glendale Freeway the other way to my brother's house. Yeah. But this direction, and then you got to cross over, and there's these 40th streets and these streets, and that. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Yeah, I blew up. That that this see, is right. This I, is what I wanted. This to is see. where I get cunty <laughs> when somebody sends me directions that are fucking preposterous. I'm like, okay. Should I just go out and get lost and show up at Mark Maron's at three o'clock in the afternoon after I've been sweating and freaking out and I get there and I'm a cunt to Mark Maron? <gasps> Is that how it's going to work? <laughs> Fine. Fuck you. <laughs> and then he calls back and goes, I'll take you. I was like, yeah, no shit you're going to fucking take me, <laughs> asshole. Take me. Oh, this! Uh, I'm so glad you gave me that. <laughs> well, thanks for coming out. <laughs> <laughs> that was the perfect way to end. That's it, folks. See that? Sandra, not as angry as I thought. I don't know why I need anger to connect, but I it, I love talking to her. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you need anything WTF-related, you can always go to WTFpod.com. And you know, my album is still out, and I, it sold pretty good. Uh, if you didn't pick that up, if you get it through the site at WTFpod.com, we'll send you a signed one. But uh, pick up the record. I'm proud of the record, the CD, the files. This has to be funny. Uh, for the apps, iPod Touch, iPhone, what is it? iPhone, iPod Touch, iPad, 
uh, Droid. You can get those at the App Store under WTF. You can get them uh, through WTFPod.com. Get on the mailing list. Again, I'll be at Nashville, at Zany's in Nashville, uh, this week, September 8th through 10th. I'll be at the Improv in Louisville, uh, September 22nd through 25th. The Southern, I'm going the Southern, I'm taking, I'm, that's my Southern swing there. A lot of good guests coming up. A lot of good guests. Boomy's not in here today, so we can't have the cute cat closer. Okay, that's it. I'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm.